You are listening to UCC 98.3 FM. This is Megan back with Movie Stellar um, here on Thursday at 10 a.m. So today uh, I have very exciting news. I'm hosting um, a show with somebody. I have a guest here. Her name is Nicole Clinton and she is the writer, director and producer of One for Icon Movie. So if you'd like to say hello to everyone and a little bit about yourself, maybe actually what I thought that we could do is if you could tell us some of your favorite movies or some movies that are you know, dear to yourself in general to kind of get to know you. I feel like that's how film students <laughs> get to know each other. Yeah, it's always such a hard question. I'm oh, sorry. First of all, hello, I'm Nicole. Um, so yes, I recently just wrapped filming on my first feature film, One for Icon. Um, and um, it's like a psychological drama about a girl who um, she's like an aspiring playwright and she there's a series of events leading up to the start of the movie um and she's very disillusioned with her life how things aren't happening the way that they should be happening for her now that she's 28 and things like that and out of this disillusionment um she develops an obsession with um a new extraordinary movie and this obsession as she falls deeper into it starts to turn her against her reality um, okay. so that's the movie um i have yes i wrote the script and i directed it and i'm co-producing it with my um longtime collaborator and friend kenneth kelleher who's also going to be editing the film so he has that mammoth task that he's taking on this week um, <laughs> but yes yeah, so, uh, some of my favorite films it's always a hard one to it doesn't talk have to about, yeah it know? doesn't that's it like i feel like um with regard to influences on this film oh yeah sure um you know films like i love movies from the 70s um and kind of anything after that kind of revolution that like easy rider started where you know films became a lot more kind of raw and authentic um and people kind of throw out the rules. Uh, so, you know, films like Taxi Driver, that's mm -hmm. a huge influence on, on One for Icon, um, both kind of stylistically and just even some of the themes that it deals with and, you know, um, the, you know, aesthetics and things like that. Um, also, I love, uh, in general, like, I mean, a lot of my movie tastes are actually quite different to maybe things that I would write or make, but I love, like, uh, adventure movies from the 80s, like... Rages of the Lost Ark, uh, Back to the Future. <laughs> Did you know that I actually watched Indiana Jones just recently? No, no, <laughs> yeah. First time. Uh, actually. Oh, okay, very good. Yeah, no, because for me, I think I even, I only watched them for the first time when I was like, uh, probably like late teens, maybe even start of college or something, but Raiders is like one of my favorites. No, I know I'm late. I know I'm super late. Yeah, I should have watched yeah, it like yeah, 10 yeah, years yeah, ago. No, but I think that happens sometimes. And I think as like film students, a lot of the time, like what I used to do is I would like bluff like important films that I you know should have seen I'd be like oh yeah yeah I yeah. know enough about it <laughs> I've heard of it. it exactly and people would think then you've seen it but yeah or Back to the Future is one of my favorites um I love also just this kind of a random one but like American Psycho is a oh yeah film that I love as yeah well. um it's just uh just very interesting. Um, and um, Pirates of the Caribbean was like the film that got me into films when I was young. Yeah, so oh. like a lot of people say like The Godfather or something really serious. But for me, it was like Pirates of the Caribbean was like my entry. And then I like became obsessed with like everything that Johnny Depp did. Okay. Uh, Edward Scissorhands and the Tim Burton movies. And, oh, okay. and then I kind of discovered like the world of film through that. And then, you know, obviously my taste like, you know, branched out from there and... 
yeah, so I kind of, I suppose I was about, yeah, it was like 12 when I kind of got into that, 12, 13, and I think I was around 14 when I was like, oh yeah, I can make films, that's, I think, what I want to do, so, um, so yeah, and then I, so I went through school and was into, you know, art and English and all those creative type of ones, but I was also quite good at, you know, logistical things like, maths and you know mm-hmm. that I'm a very organized person so I think that's handy oh, that's when you're very important especially when you're pulling a movie together you know and everything yeah. so that's important but yeah then um came to UCC and did arts um English and French okay. and um then did the masters in film and screen media in uh, kind of uh, so I started that in late 2016 so that went into 2017 and then our graduation was started 2018 and yeah after that um so I was making short films when I was here and I was very involved in the film society here as well actually um, that was probably like the first time that I started making things um, and then did the film masters um, started making short films um, started collaborating with Kenneth who was another um, who was a student also in my oh, master's sorry, yeah. class that's where we met and we just kept making things together, you know. We made more shorts when we graduated, and then we started to turn our attention to writing like features, uh, mm-hmm. like spec scripts, and the idea of you know trying to sell scripts and enter competitions and all that. And mm-hmm. you know, so that was great, you know, to get to know how to, you know, put together feature scripts basically, because it's you know it's a different structure to writing shorts and. And we, you know, we got really, uh, I suppose, built our skills in that way. And uh, but during COVID, I think, to be honest, was the time when I kind of had a bit of an epiphany where I was like, look, why am I just writing? I want to be able to make. I want Mm -hmm. to direct. I don't want to be able to sell. I don't want to just sell off something that I'm so passionate about and give it to someone else to do. Yeah. So um, I start. And as well, I suppose that disillusionment of like, waiting for the golden ticket to come in the door, waiting to be selected for the competition, for the programme, for someone to say, like, to authorise what you're doing. And it just doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that's the thing. I mean, obviously, it does happen for some people. But, like, it's very hard to have that control out of your hands. Um, So I started to get the idea of why don't I start to try to pull a future film into existence myself. Um, so It's a big step. Yeah, yeah, you know, so I began, I think as well, it kind of helped that it was during COVID where we were all at home um, and your world was quite small, you know what I mean? So you actually did feel like you could do anything in the world. So it was like um, I started to develop um, one of my scripts, Innocence Lost, as the film that I was going to make myself um which looking back on it that particular film is it's a huge passion project for me it's like very personal but um and it's very like characteristic of what my style is or what I want my mm-hmm. you know voice to be but it's so ambitious like it's a big movie so yeah. the idea you know and I did I did courses in relation to developing that film um and everything like that, like this film uh, development intensive course for like indie filmmaking, and it taught you all about, you know, how to create pitch decks and investor packets and create companies to receive investments and all this kind of thing. And I did that with the view to 
developing um, Innocence Lost as that film and I worked with an, um, an actress, I reached out to this actress that I found on Instagram um, and she just really, just her look and her vibe reminded me of um, what one of the characters was and I saw that she acted and she was in America um, mm-hmm. Naomi Castellano um, very talented, very sweet individual um, and she we began working during covid every week we would meet on a zoom she was over in ohio she was trained in new york but she'd moved back to ohio during the lockdown and we would meet every week and we would discuss you know we'd actually workshop the script kind of you know like i was very keen to develop my skills as a director um, and because i felt like when i was making shorts i was like giving line readings and I was very like about word perfect and I was writing really long monologues and all this kind of thing and I just really wanted to develop my myself as a filmmaker and you know especially in directing because I you know I wanted to go back into that um and so I was reading lots of books and I was actually putting into practice you know the things that I was reading about the things I was watching and you know learning from in those Zoom meetings with Naomi and Mm -hmm. she was loving the fact that, you know, for her it was like learning more about character development. And so anyway, basically, long story short, um, to use one of Naomi's expressions actually, um, (laughs) she, um, we, I was kind of developing that and, you know, summer 2022, um, I kind of started to realize the hard fact, the hard truth, which was that Innocence Lost was not someone's first feature. It just couldn't be. It was too big. Um, you know, it yeah. really was. Um, and the settings and just everything that was involved with that, it, I wouldn't have done it justice by making that yeah. on a small scale. It had to be the, the right yeah, time. Exactly. So I was like, right, um, you know, but it was hard to acknowledge that because it meant I was going to have to write something new, you know. And, <laughs> you know... Um, Procrastination. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and the thing, I think, with that... So, but luckily, I got inspired by uh, an experience, which was where I went to see um, a film and I just really... It just lit me on fire. And I began to analyse that experience in a series of notes and I was like these notes are kind of very profound and there's like a lot of interesting ideas in them what can I do with these notes and then I was like okay can I make like a short about this and I started to envision like if I blew up my own situation and thought about someone who like because I went to see the movie again and again and again was it like a a movie like a like a something on Netflix or no, was it like no, something no, it was you saw? In the cinema. It was in the cinema. Oh, okay. And um so I started to you know, so I went to see it, you know, uh basically every week after that it was still in the cinemas. Oh dedication. Yeah. So because, you know, I would swap my shifts at work and <laughs> all this kind of thing to make the shows because I was like, oh, I just need a fix of this every week. And I thought, oh well what if there was a character, a person who she abandoned all kind of uh, responsibility or idea of like sanity and decided she was going to make it her life to go see the movie uh-huh. every day you know what i mean and then twice a day and yeah. and and how would her life fall apart from there and then out of that and that was annie then who's the lead character in okay. one for icon and i began to build that story through that and i started to use my notes as like <coughs> um ideas for like voiceover or diary entries that Annie would make in the film Mm -hmm. Um, and 
you know, the first draft of the script, I think it was kind of ready in like December 2022. Oh. So, you know, I suppose, what was that? I was like four months writing it. Um, and like after first draft, you believe that like you've put everything, this is it, you've put everything into it. And it was, v- I sent it to Kenneth um, to read and for his opinion. And um, he kind of didn't really know how to say it, but he was like, <laughs> you know, it, I don't know what to make of this, basically. It's oh. kind of what he felt. He thought, you know, and he, he made a very valid point. He said it was very experimental and, it, you know, the, the narrative structure of it wasn't really solid. Um, and in order to make it better, maybe, that you know, he suggested that, you know, I just go back and revise and just make it a little bit more um, narrative, I suppose, really, because it was a lot of montage and voiceover and quick cuts and very interesting stylistically, but it was very hard, I think, to convey exactly what the story was, you know, Mm -hmm. and from it needed, I think the the comment we made was that it needed more exterior plot, you know, because it was very interior. It was about her psychological I mean, like, it it does say, like, online when I read it, it said, if I can read it, it said, disillusionment, escapism, obsession, ecstasy, addiction, that is the threshold between passion and madness. Like, is that how it best describes the movie? Absolutely, you know, and that's it. And so I went back and no matter how much I, you know, resented this idea, it needed to happen that I went back and did draft two. (laughs) <laughs> and we still weren't really there. That was ready for, like, March. And then I knew draft three would be the one that was ready for May. And that was... I just expanded on some of the outside relationships, some of the outside plot. And it balanced it out so much more. And it just made it so much stronger. But it is it is a journey of... That's the thing, you know, when she she's disillusioned after... Because the basic plot is... so she, As I mentioned earlier, she's an aspiring playwright. Um, she has these big dreams of being like this theatre writer director that's what she's wanted to do since she was very small um, and her and her best friend Julie are on this journey uh, together you know um, and they write together and they you know basically dream together and they've made a plan that they're going to move to New York oh sorry it's set in the US actually as well I need to go back and say that yeah okay. so we did shoot in Cork obviously but it's set oh. in the US yeah okay um, everyone had to do American accents and everything why um, because for me I love American films I want to make American films uh, for me when I listen to things in my mind when I'm writing them that's like the rhythm that's it the sounds American yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean so that's what it is um, and just even just visually and stuff like that that's just the way <coughs> I see it so I mean I know it doesn't really make sense but it makes sense to me and so anyway they have this Julie and Annie have this uh, big goal that they're going to move to New York City and they're going to make it happen they're going to get investors for their play and everything and Julie announces on the eve of their move that uh, she's not doing it anymore. She's done. She's so tired of the fight. You know, they've been 10 years since they finished school. They're 28 now. You know, obviously they began college when they were like 18 and they began all this trek that you go through when you want to do anything creative, which is trying to get breaks, trying to enter the workshops and the programs and the competitions and trying to network. And it's tiring. You need to have the passion that's going to spring that up, you know, know, going to keep 
keep you on the path um, and it does help if you are surrounded by other people who want to do it too because you kind of you hold each other accountable and you egg each other on but um, for Julie she's done and she's she announces that she's going back to study computers she's just going to change path completely and Annie like Annie's world fall, falls apart at this because mm-hmm. you know this dream this idea they've been on this path together their whole lives and it's all she knows you know what I mean and it kind of it it instigates a lot of self-doubt and a lot of fear I think in Annie that maybe she's on the wrong path too but she can't acknowledge that she can't she's in denial about that so she kind of suppresses it she goes back to her day job in a call center that absolutely sucks the life out of her and um, keeps pushing until they get exactly and then all of a sudden so she's completely you know disillusioned doesn't know what she's going to do with herself and she goes to see this movie just by like just for something to do that night and you know, um, it's advertised as something that's like extraordinary and superb and phenomenal and all these kind of things that attract her, you know, because she does seek out this greatness in her life that she has this big vision, this big dream of, you know, being a great person. And so when she sees it described in that way, she's like, oh, okay, look, let's give this a go, you know. And the kind of in-joke is that Annie, as a theatre person, sees... um, movies as the inferior art so it's very funny then that she becomes obsessed with a movie and like an know? irony yeah. exactly so um she goes to see the film and it just lights her on fire lights her soul on fire i i use that expression all the time when i'm talking about it um just like you know she just can't believe it it's kind of like a revelation it's like giving her all these feelings she's not getting in her everyday life it's mm-hmm. giving her you know, all of these sensations, things that she's never felt before, um, things that she's kind of seeking in her life, you know, in <coughs> from an even kind of a profound philosophical point of view. Annie believes there's so much more to life than this kind of prescribed notion of your nine to five job and your white picket fence and your mortgage and, you know, yeah. all of these kind of things. She seeks a fulfillment that comes from a kind of a deeper place or, a, you know, a deeper sense of like soulful achievement you know so she's kind of like that and that creates a lot of drama with her mom too who as much as her mom supports her she um also kind of would love if Annie would kind of just accept that maybe those things don't exist and she should just it would be easier for her just to accept like normal life you know and try Mm -hmm. to go down that path but so Annie goes to see the movie it lights her on fire um and then she starts she goes again and then she starts to analyze it mm. and she starts to write about it and she goes again and she goes again and she, you know, she goes several times in the week. And then, you know, it's um, so it's and then it starts to become like this kind of ecstasy for her where like that, like a drug where she needs the hit of it. It makes her feel good. Um, she's getting all these sensations from it that she's not achieving in her real life from neither her job nor like dating or anything like that. And then she starts to realize that she could possibly give herself over to this. Why does she have to, you know, force herself to do things she doesn't want to do? Why? No, there's nothing stopping her from she, you know, she just stops going to her job she gives up anything that's like mediocre, anything that's not fulfilling this feeling, and she starts to go see the movie every day. Um, and then she starts to go twice a day because mm. she can't get enough of it. And that's kind of the ecstasy period then, and it's giving her this. And it's there's also kind of a tributary of it where 
it's kind of like there's like a psychosexual experience that she gets from it as well because she kind of falls in love with the movie star in the movie. That's so interesting. Yeah, and then um, from there, you know, she's hiding it from everyone. She's hiding it from her mom. um, She's hiding it from, you know, everyone else in her life. And she's kind of getting off on the secrets and lies as well. Um, And then, you know, it, it kind of descends kind of on a we kind of use like a formula for like an addiction story as well as we kind of trace the obsession because she goes from this kind of passionate ecstasy <coughs> and then it descends into you know as she, she kind of doesn't even it's not even that she wants to do it anymore it's like that she needs it you know okay. and um from there then there's you know there's a lot of there's despair there's frustration that her life can't be like it is in the movie um, and it descends, you know, deeper and deeper into kind of uh, a very interior dark darkness um, for Annie. Um, I like talking about you know. this interior. Like, I'm, I have to ask you, so, you know, I, I'm not saying that necessarily all these like bad, negative, dark yeah. things mm-hmm. are closely related to you. Yeah. But like did the inspiration come from within Maybe yeah, in a I way. I mean, absolutely. I write from a very personal point of view um, all the time. I always start with, you know, a feeling or an experience that I have, and then I build from there and I exaggerate and dramatize it very much to the point where, you know, it's very exaggerated that it would only be on the screen. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Um, so f- for me, I do start with like a personal point of view. Um, and with regard to like darkness and and things like that. I think you can really push any idea either way, whether that's into, you know, the light or the dark. And for um, for this particular movie, as you go darker and darker into this idea, I think the dark idea in it is that why can't we get in real life the kind of things that we get when we go into that dark room in the cinema and experience, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, that escapism that we get from movies um when when we really just you know just completely give our, our our whole being over to it why can't we get that in real life because real life can be very you know de- you know despite the fact that it's you know mundane we go through real life like we're going through the motions a lot of the time do you know mm-hmm. what i mean like not all the time but what no, i'm saying yeah, is I get a lot of the time you know we're doing our routine we're going to work we're going to do jobs that we don't like but you know you either have to do it because of money or because you don't know what else to do or you're kind of listening to things that you should be doing and you know again going through the motions of life and it all just you know exists on this very level just straight line um, and i suppose the kind of philosophical point we're trying to make is like you know people sometimes are afraid to think outside that box of what else is out there and it can send them into extremes you know Mm -hmm. um so for me when I was writing this it was like reflecting on reality on real people and sometimes you do have to go into a headspace where you get very angry or very dark or very depressed not I mean you have to just you know level it out but um it's you have to push and exaggerate and push yourself into those places sometimes in order. Well, it to, says a lot if you're going yeah. from like nihilism yeah. to yeah. extremism. Yeah, you know, yeah, like. yeah, that's it. And you do, you know, it's that's the thing, I think, because obviously there are people and they make films that are excellent portraits of, 
you know, just just reality. You know what I mean? Who make very, mm-hmm. very real movies and everything like that. It's not really what I'm into. You no, know? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not what I do. You know, I like a kind of... For me, my style, what I like is a kind of a balance between, like, provocative and sentimental. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I will push things and I will make things quite edgy, but I'll always bring it back to this kind of very emotional core. Um, you know, even with, like, Innocence Lost, the other movie, the admirably ambitious, delusionally insane a project that was, <laughs> you know, that I intended to make first. But um, with that, that was, like, a story about two sisters um, and... Um, it started very much just about, you know, I suppose I have a, I have a very close relationship with my own sister, Haley, and, you know, this idea of childhood and wanting to go back to childhood. Um, and that's where it started with that one. Um, and I blew it up and exaggerated it into kind of this very, um, this, like, is stylish action thriller slash coming of age drama Mm -hmm. about like two sisters in you know 1980s Los Angeles and they are um so it would also be set in America yeah exactly Uh, 1980s Los Angeles and um they're kind of basically like seducing and murdering um men but uh obviously that's not I don't have personal experience in that (laughs) don't worry monstrous Uh, feminine yeah exactly this is not my confession um and um (laughs) basically you know but I start the heart of it is about that sister story um and with one for icon um again while it's about someone who does descend into you know a madness um and and a way of life that uh, is very extreme um it started from just a personal kind of overwhelmment with um with with kind of joy, I suppose, first at, at, at having discovered this experience of, you know, seeing this movie um, and how much I liked it and that I wanted to go again and experience it again and again. Mm-hmm. And um, comparing that escapism that we get from the cinema um, to, you know, maybe boring life, you know. And I yeah. guess that's why people do go to the cinema a lot of the time is, you know, it's, it's escapism or they go to the theatre or they watch uh, you know tv you know especially tv these days they're like movies you know i yeah. mean a lot of tv is very prestigious you know, these days and or you know they do art or whatever it is you do listen to music of course music is a huge one too you know mm-hmm. but um and that was it and when i was auditioning people for the i do, uh, basically i did um two co- uh, casting calls um for annie um i did the it was self tape, so it was an open call that I kind of advertised on like Facebook groups, um, and I did reach out to people so that I personally knew that I wanted to audition for me, um, and when I was auditioning people, the self tape requirement I didn't give them a scene or anything from the movie, mm-hmm. um, but I gave them the task of sending me a self tape that they were, they were discussing two things one um something like a piece of art so aka a movie a play a book a piece of music discussing as in giving opinion yeah basically where they were talking about that and how something that really affected them or to use that expression again lit their soul on fire okay so i wanted them to talk about that um in an american accent you know what i mean so i mean with that i i told them it didn't have to be real it you know they could make it up if they wanted or 
you know, it could be very true to them or whatever. I just had to believe that it affected them in some way. Um, and the second thing was they had to discuss a deep fear that they had of something. Um, obviously, so interesting. Yeah, so like obviously I got different... I mean, I couldn't make a documentary out of the tapes that I got. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very... Like everyone interpreted it differently you know um and you know you had some people and they spoke about the fact that they were afraid of mice and you had some people and they spoke about that they were afraid of death you know what i mean so this is the thing like obviously i was erring more on the side of that you know the death i suppose really um because i the idea of the fear and the thing that lights your soul on fire um was because for annie they're just very key elements of her character in that obviously i feel like it's more entertaining for people in general the darker it is you know or maybe i'm just a morbid person but like (laughs) for me at least like i don't know yeah no so it's um that was very interesting and and people responded to it very well i got 60 tapes back and i watched every single one because i was like i you know from a I suppose a very romantic point of view. I was like, the la- if I only watch fifty nine, that sixtieth person could be the one. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, so I watched them all, and I I really enjoyed watching them all. And everyone gave it so much of their time, and I was very impressed with that. And then out of that, I cast Annie, and I cast Julie, and I cast some of the other roles that were like girls in their twenties. Um, so some of her co-workers it's quite a small cast actually like Annie is the lead character Annie's in every scene so it's very much her journey um, and then Julie would kind of be the secondary character and you know um, we also then the second casting call was for Grace who's Annie's mom because obviously that was a different demographic um, and I got great tips for that as well for that I gave them a scene to do um, for the audition, one of the scenes where Annie and her mom are basically disagreeing about what life is, you know, kind mm-hmm. of, or, or what Annie should do with her life. And it's, um, it is, I got, I got a really, really talented actress, uh, Christine Terry, um, was the one who I cast as, as Grace, um, and she was wonderful. And our casting journey was very interesting for Annie and Julie, um, we, you know, I always say I wish I had had a camera following me around when I was doing pre-production on this because we would have had a great behind-the-scenes documentary. Yeah. Um, like Lots of we, B-roll. You know, we did cast. So, obviously, I got the tapes from 60 people. I whittled it down to about 15 people and invited them for a call back in person. And we did that in the middle of August. And um, I think about 10, no, 7 came to the audition for the in-person audition and I got the other ones gave me self tapes mm-hmm. and because they couldn't make it or they were on holidays or whatever it was and um, we cast our Annie and we cast our Julie and we cast the other roles and I started to work with my actress playing Annie for several weeks over Zoom because she was in another part of the country and uh, on script analysis and character analysis and all that and we went back and forth and same with the actress I cast as Julie and it was a week before filming so this was this, we were due to start on the 24th of September um, mm-hmm. and 
this was the 17th. It was a Sunday night and I was there finalizing the schedule. I was like, finally, you know, putting it all together and it's happening next week and I just can't wait. <laughs> There's always going to be yeah. something. And the next day we were due to do rehearsals. So we were doing rehearsals on the Monday and the Tuesday. A rehearsal on the Monday was going to be um, Annie <coughs> and uh, Grace, her mom. And on the Tuesday it was going to be Annie and Julie. Mm-hmm. And I get a text from my lead actress uh, at the time and she just basically laid out that she couldn't justify certain things in the script anymore. And okay. uh, I, she didn't want to do this and that. And Do you think it was fear? Um, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to... Shadow anybody. Yeah, su- you know, suppose on anyone's reasons and stuff like that. The reason she gave me was justified, and I understood that. I got on the phone straight away with her, because I imagine now, like, my heart absolutely fell out of my body. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my God, it's a week to go, and we have to go next week. We just have to. So I rang her, and I said, what if this, or what if that? And it was just no, you know, there was, it was kind of an ultimate, but like I, what I respect about her was she said to me, she said, look, it's your vision. Um, you do what you have to do. Yeah. She doesn't yeah. want to alter. Exactly. It, I so I said, right. I said, so I picked up the phone and I rang Alana Callahan, who was playing Julie. And I picked up the phone and I said, oh. Annie, or Alana, I said, <laughs> yeah, see, um, I said, look, this has happened. Um, do you want the lead? Yeah, switch. And she said, you know, she was shocked. I was shocked. My voice was shaking because I was five <laughs> minutes ago, like my world fell apart. Oh and God. I was like, I need to, you know, what am I going to do? And I, she said she'd love to take the part. She was a bit concerned about learning lines. But as I laid out to her, this movie was so... Um, heavy on like voiceover and stuff like that you know and and the way the scenes in the schedule were going to be spread out mm-hmm. I was like you'll have no problem don't worry you know mm-hmm. so um she accepted the role which was brilliant because to be honest I always had a feeling for her like from the minute I, I spoke to her on the phone after her first self-tape and we got on really well and it turned out we went to the same school and she's from Cork as well Alana um Alana Callahan. she's super talented and I'm so glad that you know I got to have her as my Annie in the end because she's she's amazing and she's just a really it was wonderful fate. people. It, it was, was fate. fate. Exactly. Like I'm really <laughs> into this idea of like manifestation and the universe <laughs> and all that and I kinda of said, Okay, well if what this was what was meant to be and the universe yeah. corrected me, you know, yeah, for yeah, whatever yeah. reason. And that's you know, so I um I got on really well with her and um I really liked her from the minute I first saw her tape and everything and that was it. So she she agreed to be my Annie, and I went back to original actress, and I said, "Look, this I can't cut out these scenes." I said, "It's part of the vision. Even if I wanted to compromise on that, I literally can't a week to go have you know take those scenes out of the script because the whole structure of the script is built around you know this this." you know order events of events the characters built around it you know so i can't and she totally respected that and she said that's no problem see but like i think sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like you know you'll always have to compromise yes something will always happen yeah 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 exactly and and it was you know so this is it so i asked her um would she like to swap basically and play julie and she said yes and then 
Um, that was fine, and she was very stand up, and she came to the auditions or the rehearsals mm-hmm. the next day just to play opposite mm-hmm. and everything. And then, due to personal reasons, on the Wednesday she pulled out of the movie full stop. So I then had yeah. to uh, change my Julie, and I got um, a, another See, very like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I got another very talented actress, Eilish uh, Byrne who was going to be um, playing another role in the movie. Um, I rang her and told her the situation. I said, look, I'd really love you to play Julie. And she stepped up and she did and she was amazing. So I ended up with the most amazing combination in the end. And I was really, really happy. And I wish everyone the best who, you know, didn't take part in the in the movie and everything like that. Yeah, you know, that's why no hard feelings. Do you know what I mean? It is what it is. And that's great. But yeah, no. So I just I was really, really delighted with my cast. Super, super happy with my crew as well, which was great. We were very small group of people. I was going to ask you, how how did like as a director Mm -hmm. that you have to like hold everything yeah. under control like how did that how did you talk <laughs> to people and yeah i mean with regard to so like once you get to set like what i will advise people is if you you know no matter what you're making you've got to set a date and no matter what happens that is when you are rolling cameras because i think if i hadn't done that i probably would have pushed it back after this um obstacle and that obstacle and that is it you're basically fighting obstacles every day throughout pre-production now all of a sudden yeah. everything and becomes acceptable it. and then yeah and what happens is i you know what i kept saying was it got to the point where there is no time to get upset about anything you just have to fix it do you know yeah. what i mean and that's it and once i couldn't wait to get to set and just be rolling because i was like whatever's in the frame is in the frame whoever's there is there and whoever's not, is not. i and just want to make this exactly, movie i just can't deal with anything else and that's the way it is And so we had a crew of, so every day on set, it was me. Um, it was James Cullen, the DP, who's extremely talented. He's an absolute maverick and he gave me everything and I couldn't have been more happy with him. He's such a great artist and just an amazing collaborator. And I was very, very delighted with him. So we had me and James, um, we had someone doing sound. We had various people for sound. We had... Um, And they were all UCC students or um, past students, actually. So we had George Lynch mm-hmm. um, from Film and Screen Media here. I know him, uh, actually. Yeah, really. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. great. George he is amazing. Yeah. And then we had also Connor Deneen, I think, who just graduated this year. Um, and we had Adam Byrne, who also graduated this year, I believe. And and big shout out to UCC, all the faculty at uh, the Film and Screen Media for... They really had me out with... Um, equipment and yeah, I was gonna say yeah, where yeah. did that come from actually like which sorry the the equipment like was the, it so yeah so we um we got the we were renting um our red dragon scarlet sorry I'm terrible now with technology and all this kind no, of thing but basically that was the camera that we got and we got that from Bolt Bolt Productions in the city oh, right, yeah. um and James had used that camera before and he was super um, skilled at that and it was it was amazing. I mean, I was seeing, it's like a 4K camera and, you know, it was such a... I've really actually, good. I remember yeah. seeing it in person because I did, okay. I worked one summer in Bolt Productions. Oh, very good. Okay. I've done sound. Mm-hmm. I was invited to another set. I was 
back mm-hmm. home in Croatia at the time. Yeah. But I remember I saw this red camera oh, yeah, like in yeah, front of yeah, me, yeah. just like staring at me. And first of all, it took like 50 minutes for people to build it, yes, you know, to yeah. put it together. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Like, I mean, you know, the amount of, of baggage that we had every day, like we were like a traveling circus, you know, there was crates, cases. There was a big one of those big battery things. Yeah, yeah. There was a big suitcase then that I had where I had these two um, like lights and the sound equipment. Um, so the sound equipment came. Yeah, we we borrowed that from UCC. So thank you very much to. Uh, was Dan it road mics or was it Sorry, boom uh, mics? Like? Um, it was boom. Oh, yeah, it was boom. Yeah, okay. um, we, we we used the boom. There was a period of time where we had um, those lapel mics. Uh, there was just a lot of technical difficulties with that, so we ended yeah. up just booming really for the whole thing. Um, so that was the equipment. So yeah, we had so on set. It was me and James and sound, and we had as well then uh, Victoria Alden and Bridget Brabazon, who um, were my uh, production manager and my um, wardrobe supervisor and. Mm-hmm. They were, they're two lovely ladies who I know personally from my day job um, in the Cork Opera House. Big shout out to the Cork Opera House as well because they were super supportive with giving me locations and um, other uh, benefits. So um, I was very, very happy with that. Thank you so much. To and them. In, in terms um, of locations, like when you said mm-hmm. that you made it look like it was set in in America. Yeah, well, I mean, with regard to it was a lot of interiors. Do you know what okay. I mean? So, like, we had we shot um, we shot mostly in. I think a lot of it takes place in her bedroom, which was another big dilemma that we had because trying to find a big bedroom, a bedroom big enough that when you put cameras and lights and all that, that you have it doesn't feel like this tiny hovel, you know? So we, I sought um, the idea of renting um, like a space to build a bedroom in. Um, And we really followed that idea for a long time, probably too long. And then that just became like, it was gonna be too difficult to make it look real. You know what I mean? So I found then again, the universe looking out for me, I found the ideal, bedroom in an airbnb in the city and um that's so you know we use that airbnb for you know scenes that took place in the house and in her bedroom and various other you know um home locations basically Mm -hmm. and we shot then in the real picture in blackpool for the cinema scenes because obviously a huge portion takes part in the um or takes place even in the in the cinema. Um, and then we, apart from that, most of it then was the Cork Opera House, uh, just being a very versatile, different locations. We did up a bar location in the green room at the back. We used the actual bar where they had gotten new furniture um, okay. as someone's living room. Um, we were obviously able to use, we needed a scene to take place in a theatre in like the auditorium. So we were able to use that there, which was amazing. And um, we shot cafe scenes there out the front and upstairs. And we did the call centre scenes in okay. the um, offices upstairs in the Cork Opera House as well. So we came in and moved everything around and all of that. So it was amazing. And, and then some of my favourite stuff that we shot was actually out on the street um, Where was that though? If you try to make it look, yeah. Know. So we actually, so UCC left to shoot here um, one of the nights 
Um, so we were shooting down by um, kind of the Luxman and mm-hmm. and further down along that path. Um, and then we kind of did a bit of running and gunning in the street in Cork City mm-hmm. um, the other nights. And we, you know, we shot down by the Trisco by that little street oh, there. Okay. And it looked amazing. Like, honestly, the stuff we got that night looked so good. Like, James was like, after that, he was so proud. He was like, this is my crowning moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was so happy. And that scene, we almost didn't get a chance to do that because we originally... So originally when I wrote the script, that scene took place outside. Okay. This mm-hmm. is like a really key scene between Annie and Julie where they're kind of... They're coming back together. They're reconciling. It's very deep. It's very emotional. I rewrote it to take place in a bar, right? Um, because of logistics that I thought, I was like, oh, I'll shoot that in the green room in the Cork Opera House and that would be much easier to control the elements and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And so we shot that the first week and we believed that we had lost the sound on it, that the sound didn't record. Oh, God. So <laughs> complete. And we took so long to shoot the scene because this and that and everything. So we were there way past the scheduled time that night that we were shooting that in the bar location. And we thought we had lost the sound and we all just had to have a silent scream and lose the plot completely. And then we were like, it'll be fine. We're going to do it. If we try to see the pastor, we said, it's going to be better now. We're going to do it again and it's going to be better. So we decided, because we couldn't get another bar location, we would shoot it. We'd go back to the original and shoot it outside. And thank God we did because it looks absolutely amazing. You know, I was I was actually only looking at the footage now back on the actual camera monitor and... But it was just, I mean, the way the light was, it's, you know, and it was just I all actually natural. can't wait to see it. Yeah, like, I was going to yeah, ask, yeah. like, where, I mean, I've seen, uh, like, on your Instagram and everywhere that y- you were uh, very, as you said, like, organizing everything and, like, printing all the tickets mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be screened anywhere? Or, like, are you going to put it on, do you know, like... Oh, well, like, what we're going to do, so it's going into the edit now this week. Okay. okay. So Kenneth, the co-producer is going to edit the whole thing and handle all of post-production. So he's taking it. So while I carried a lot of uh, the the big burden of pulling the movie together at the start, you know, pre-production. He's just going to finalise it. He's, he's going to put in. a bow on top. Yeah, he's coming in now and he's going to take the, the big, huge um, task of putting it together, you know. Um, and so it's going into the edit we're hoping by the end of the year we'll have locked on like a final cut and then it's going to um, the, um, to have its music done. Um, so hopefully by the end of January, we are hoping to have like a final version of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously then we want to submit it for festivals and, and send it out into the world in that way. But, um, you know, if we can get a screening in uh, that doesn't compromise our ability to, or our premiere status, you know, because a lot of um, festivals, it has to be the European premiere or the world premiere or the American premiere or something like that, you know what I mean? So, Do you um, have any festivals in mind? already um i mean there is i do have lists i mean i don't want to say what i you know what ones that i'm aiming for Mm -hmm. or not aiming for at the moment but i do have a list that i was kind of making even prior to 
make shooting the yeah. film, you know. So, but it felt very, very strange when we wrapped, like because obviously it's like high stress and a lot of, but like the stress, you know, you get over the stress because you just love doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the thing. And there's such great buzz and just well, my dream for the for the film when it came to how I was going to make it was I just wanted to have a group of people who were like a traveling circus uh, who wanted yeah. who were just just really wanted to make something great you know what i mean that as you said there, yourself like yeah, leave your passionate. regular job and yeah, just exactly you know. exactly you know have that passion for what we were doing and just give it their everything and that's exactly what i got you know yeah. i'm big into like journaling um and things like that and after we wrapped on the movie so we wrapped on monday the 9th of october and late at night and you know they were all waiting for me to say that's a wrap and then you know there was like you know we listened to you know we put on music and there was a bottle of prosecco and all that kind of thing and oh, i just okay. i couldn't believe you know what we had achieved in two and a half weeks you know or yeah. like even for me i suppose it was a year and a half since i began actually writing the movie so like it was bizarre to think okay now now, it's not done, obviously, because I'll be going into the edit with Kenneth and, and there's a lot of work to be done there. But to think that the back was broken on it, um, on the work on the shoot and being able to to say that's a wrap. It was so weird. And we obviously we went celebrating the next day. And then it was like, I remember the Wednesday and I was like, it's like, what do I do with like my free time? Was like, <laughs> yeah. I was going back to my day job on the Thursday. Right. Oh, and no. I was like, right. OK, I was like, but like on my days off like now, because usually like for like a year, you're like, OK, I need to work on the script or I need to work on the schedule or I need to work on the casting or I need to whatever it is yeah. you're putting it or the props. Yeah, making the props because that's it, because everyone, you know, on a small production like that, essentially, like, you know, I was doing a lot. Everyone was doing like multiple jobs, you know, mm -hmm. um, Victoria and Bridget were super helpful to me. They were all putting their weight in every way that they could. And I was very grateful for them. And um, everyone who was part of the cast and crew just gave me their everything. And it was very touching, in fact, to. You know, and that's the thing. I actually, I got quite emotional about the idea that people gave me their time, they gave me their trust, and they believe in this. And I'm very, I'm very delighted to have, you know, connected with all those people and have gotten just the best cast and crew, which was wonderful. But yeah, so now I'm like, okay, I was like passing Cork Art Supplies on the way up here, and I was like, I could buy like paints, and like in my free time, I could do <laughs> painting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, it's weird. You know, obviously, you go on and you do the next, you start to do the next one, but you kind of need time to will you reflect. Be, will you, will know. you be working on something yeah, else in the near mean, future? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, obviously, I have everything for Innocence Lost ready to go. So, you know, the idea is that. I'd be able to just get more opportunity um, to make that. Or, you know, obviously, I, Kenneth is writing something um, and we'd love to make that. And we have other scripts and obviously ideas are always coming at you. But right now I just have to see out one for Icon and I'm excited to yeah, see course. what will come of that, you know. And, and, you know, one of the courses that I was doing during COVID, you know, about <laughs> movie making and all that kind of thing, just to to keep me in the game while everyone was out of it um, was the the like course mentor she made a really good point she said you know when you start off wanting to develop something or make something yourself you have to have your one true reason for doing it mm -hmm. and obviously she said okay write out all the reasons you want to do it and you know they vary from you know things like I want to tell this story to I want to make it big and I want this to be my calling card, you know, but she said, and then boil it down and just, you know, take it down and down and down and sculpt it. And what is your, the real 
true reason that you're doing it. And she defined that by saying, okay, if nothing else happens, if this rings true, then you will be satisfied. Mm -hmm. You will have set out, you will have achieved what you set out to do. So um, my one true reason, I suppose, for for making this film or any film, um, hopefully as I go through my career, will be that I make it to the, you know, the vision that I that I had for it, that I, when I sat down and I dreamed it up, that it can be as much like that, basically, that I can achieve that, um, execute it um, as much as possible with as little compromise as possible, mm -hmm. you know? And so for me, no matter what happens with the film, I just hope that it's something that I can identify as being what I wanted to do or what I wanted it to be. Well, so, I suppose yeah. funding mm -hmm. is always going to make you make it possible to yeah. exactly or yeah. get as close as possible mm -hmm. to exactly what you had in yes, mind. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that's without it, yeah. any big fundings, of course, yeah. it's hard and there's going to be exactly. lots of compromise. That's it. That's it. And that's the thing. And I think it's just as long as you are um, always happy with the way something is turning out. And if you're not happy with it, you go back and you reshoot it. And that's the thing. I mean, there could be reshoots on this film, and I'm happy to do that because it has to be perfect. You know, it can't just be grand. You know, it has yeah. to be mm -hmm. perfect. Um, and, and that's it. And I just, yeah, I'm excited now for... Because, like, it's funny because obviously people who, like, make films or are involved in any creative processes they can look at what you do, you know, if having finished the shot, the shoot, and they're like, oh, wow, that's a great achievement. But for people who aren't involved in it or mm -hmm. don't know about, you know, filmmaking and only see finished products, they don't really understand what you've done until they see the finished product. So I'm excited <laughs> yeah. for people like that, you know, to see it and to see what we have done and what we can do now that it's going into the edit. Because, I mean, I don't know who said this, but... It's one that myself and Kenneth talk about a lot, and it's that, um, you know, you make a movie three times. You know, you write it, so that's mm -hmm. one version of the film. Then you film it. You try to execute exactly, it. Exactly, <laughs> So when you film it, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, sometimes some of the differences are compromises, sure. Some of the differences are things you never would have thought of, but mm -hmm. a new collaborator who's on set with you has this idea, and you're like, wow, that's actually amazing, or let's just try it anyway. And yeah. it might be the thing that I didn't even realize I wanted, but it is there, you know, and that happened a lot on on set with me but sorry so that's the second time is when you shoot it and then the third time is when you edit it you know what I mean so you kind of remake the film again um, but yeah like you know um, what things that I learned on this shoot was like yes please tell us because yes, I was going to ask like yeah. if you have any mm -hmm. big advices okay. for any okay. young people no yeah. it's no yeah, pressure yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like as a film student yes and studying here in UCC and like mm -hmm. all, all the people that are with me in class and even not yeah. in class like all the people that I know from yeah. you yeah. know around Cork mm -hmm. is they're all struggling with some mm -hmm. things and yeah. we all have the same fears yeah. and like learning from somebody yeah. who's been in this now yeah. you know yeah yeah I would just say try to if you can take control to make something yourself do it you know what I mean I think there's a lot of things that we you know there's a lot of gatekeepers um in this industry where you feel like you need to you know get their invitation to do something uh, or you need someone's validation or someone needs to tell you you can do it like 
no one really told me I could do it you know what I mean like yeah. I just decided I was doing it um I had great support obviously from Kenneth my co-producer and then everyone else in my life and then everyone who came into the production you know as as we went through was super supportive and passionate and just the people even I was overwhelmed by the people who I reached out to who were willing to help you know what I mean people are kind people want to help and and that's wonderful but my advice would be you know try to pull into existence something that you want to do as as best you can and even if that means cutting it down to make it a smaller budget or you know um you know tr- reaching out to people um to get them involved and you know there's a lot of networking you have to do and I say networking with regard to you have to be reaching out to people emailing people this and that but like I think a lot of people do want to be involved in the thing that you're creating especially like advice and this isn't even like my I'm not coming up with this I I heard Mm -hmm. this before but you know a lot of people when they're starting out they want to reach up they think they need to reach up to someone who's above them to help them to pull them up yeah reach out because the people who are around you who are in your class who are working who are they can't read your mind exactly they you need to reach out to those people at your level because they're the people who are going to be the future as well they're the people who are also going to do that stuff they're the people who have skin in the game as well because Mm -hmm. you know obviously the person who's above you who of course they can help you if they're able to or willing to and because they have connections or they have they're established but um, they're kind of doing you a favor, you know, whereas the people who are at the same level of, as you, you know, classmates or just, you know, collaborators of your own um, entry level, I suppose, um, they have the skin in the game in that, you know, they need this, you know, they need to be involved in good work. They want to be they're involved in good work and they're going to kind of see you at the same level as them and you know that's it so I think definitely reach out and they're the people as well then that you know you're all going to do good things and you're all going to be able to work together going into the future you know and that would be advice um other advice with regard to casting something I learned like starting out this I would have thought oh it's about who's the you know all that matters is that they're a great actor um no um obviously you want them to be a great actor but you also need someone who is someone you can connect with personally and get on with and bond with especially if you're doing something that's a very small closed set small um crew and cast because do you feel like there needs to be only trust and intimacy between a director and absolutely you need to be able to get on with them and whether that's you know being able to um get very personal with them or whether Mm -hmm. that's um with regard to being able to just laugh and joke and just get on because, of course, yeah. you know, days are long. You're going to be in each other's pockets for, you know, two and a half weeks yeah. longer. <laughs> you know, you want to be able to get on with them and they have to be someone who's, you know, are they fun? Are they as well? Like what I love about Alana was she was, she's such like a low maintenance actress in that. And what I mean by that is like who who gives a high quality performance performance, you know in that like you know you give her the direction like I mean for me obviously look you're hearing now I like to talk a lot especially about stuff I'm passionate about but basically I I would talk a lot about the character and the you know the script and everything like that and talk and talk and talk and talk and then she'd take it in and I would give her specific direction 
and she would just go with it she would I mean? like mold it, it. turn she it into do it do you know what I mean and this is it and like she'd be there Alana from Cork and then all of a sudden you go action and she's Annie from Ohio and she's Annie that character and she's it's it's amazing you know what she was um what she was able to do and she's able to cry on cue and get really emotional and everything and she was amazing but I got on with her so well from the minute we started talking it was wonderful and someone who's going to make it difficult um by you know just diva requests or anything like that you just don't need them they're Mm -hmm. just gonna take up time and you know all that kind of thing and it's like you can be the best actor in the world but if you can't collaborate or get on with people on set you're just going to make everyone's life a misery so i think as a director definitely when you're casting (coughs) take into account have a chat with the people as well that you're you know that you're auditioning um i found that very handy just to get an idea of what kind of person are, are they what kind of person are they going to be like to work with what's their style of not just acting but their style of working that when they come to set each day what way are they going to operate you know are they going to need a lot of time to prepare and obviously on a small scale tight budget tight schedule you you know you need people who are very adaptable um and that's what i would say i think definitely just make sure you're able to get on with people and the same goes for crew to be honest like i mean you need people who are going to get your vision um, and want to give their their creative skill and talent and their eye to that vision um, and be able to pick up on the kind of ideas that you have um, and run with their own too. You know, I'm happy to give people their um, leeway to to run with their ideas as well as long as it's not going completely off course of of what i intended for the scene or the or the movie as a whole you know um i mean my way of working with james was kind of like you know i would say this is the scene this is the kind of coverage i want you know i want a wide and two close-ups or you know i want there to be a lot of movement in the scene blah 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 what would you say is the best way to do this what would you say what are your ideas you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and then because he's super talented he brings a lot of um a lot of his own um ideas um and and skill with the camera to it so you know i would let it run and if i hated i mean there was one day in it, there was like an angle and i really didn't like it and i was just like no i hate that angle let's <laughs> do it you know what i mean that's it but that was like one time out of like a hundred you know so there was um i was very very happy with with all of my um james james uh is not in college at the moment so he's more flexible or um no he actually i think he's studying photography and oh he is already yeah 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 he is but um he wasn't in college when he was shooting with me. <laughs> um, yeah, but like yeah, yeah, what yeah, I'm trying yeah, exactly, to say is yeah. it gives him more leeway to ca- like it's more flexibility. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, you know, and um, and that's it. And like, look, I'm just I'm just delighted that I got people who were able to be passionate about the story that I wanted to tell in the way that I wanted to tell it. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to do them proud with the finished product now, you know, so it's wonderful. But what was the question again? It was advice. Yeah, so that was my advice on <laughs> yeah. casting. And that was my advice on, you know, that if you can, if it's within your means or your time or something like that, to pull something into existence yourself, whether it's a short or a feature or whatever it is, take the reins. Because yeah. it's very, very hard, I'll tell you, as someone who did this for years, to be entering into things that you had no control over the outcome of. 
and hoping that you were going to be the one who was picked uh, and that it was going to, you know, I mean, cold queries to literary managers and we must have sent a hundred, you know, and you get like one or two responses back. And yeah, it's I feel like you're going to be turned you know, down a million there times. Is, there's a lot of rejection and that's, and that's another theme in the film is, you know, this idea of the amount of rejection you do have to go to through yeah. even um, before you get to where you're going. And, you know, I mean... I think that's it. It's it's if you can overcome that, like just don't let it get you down. You know what I mean. If you really believe you want to do this, and this is the only thing that you have in your mind to do, then do it. You know, mm. and definitely, you know, there's no golden ticket coming through the door. Pull something into existence yourself. You have to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and people like don't be afraid to reach out to people because nine people out of ten that you will reach out to want to be involved in it in any way they can and if they can't be involved they'll refer someone that does you know want to be involved um so that's that's wonderful and just oh don't ask don't get that is my motto don't ask don't get because mm-hmm. if you don't ask people you're not going to get it that's basically me boiling that down for anyone yeah, yeah it, that's that has to be your motto and i think the closer i was getting to the shoot because i would have been someone where you know, I mean, when I was very young, I was very shy and introverted. Um, you know, I only really spoke to my friends or my family or whatever. I wasn't comfortable, like, going to people I didn't know and asking for things or anything like that. But if, as I got older, then I worked a lot in customer service and you get more comfortable talking to people. Mm-hmm. And then doing this whole process, like, you realize that the thing that you want is on the other side of the gate. You need to ask someone to open it, you know what I mean? So you really need, like, the closer you get to the day that you're rolling as well, the less time you have to worry about, oh my God, do I really have to pick up this phone? To, what if what if they're going to say no? It, it doesn't matter if they say no or yes, you have to ask them. You Stresses. Know? So that's the thing, you know? And I think if you're not someone who's comfortable doing that, team up with someone who is because... This actually sounds very meet. good. I'm actually yeah. shooting a music video this weekend okay, right, and I'm shooting good. something Excellent. else soon. Okay. And it's like, yeah. the good part about it is yeah. that I know that I... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. I would be a pest more than yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's it. And this is the thing. And don't be afraid to annoy people because you have to do it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that's the way it is. You know, it's... Um, it is... It is a journey, uh, but it's very rewarding. And um, I'm so, so happy that I did it. And I'm so excited Good for the next, yeah. the next thing. Yeah. And everyone was saying to me, they were like, okay, so is it weird now to go back to your day job? And I was like, well, no, because, <laughs> you know, I know that, like, my movie is there on, it's on a set of, like, four hard drives. And it's going to be, you know, made into a proper film soon. And i'm excited for whatever the next step is whatever that might be and i'm excited to then after that you know start going on the next one and i i feel very proud that of myself and all the people that were involved that we were able to don't let the theme of obsession in the movie kind of get to you like what do you do what do you do now that you finished doing the script for like four months and you're like oh i don't know yeah yeah (laughs) yeah, exactly exactly so yeah you know just taking the time now to paint or read or all that stuff that i said i'll do that now when i'm finished with the film for a while you know yeah so so yeah well in any case um Good, good few advices okay, and good. a lot of good things that you said today. Yes. I'm so happy I had you here because yeah, no it was amazing. And Thank I think I got, me. yeah, I think I got everything I wanted. And, and uh, of course, like, you know, for other people that are going to be listening mm-hmm. to this too, like it, 
like the show is called Movie Teller. Yes. So people who are interested in yes. movies are going to be yeah, listening. Yeah, yeah. And hearing about this, mm-hmm. giving insight mm-hmm. is like, I think it will mean a lot yeah. to them as well. Absolutely. And that's the thing. And, you know, if anyone wants to reach out to me on Instagram or anything like that for any advice or to connect or anything like that, of I'm course. really happy to hear from everyone and to... to make a whole team. Yeah, exactly. Make a, make a new exactly. movie. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So and, um, I'm very excited. I think there's a lot of people in Cork at the moment who are very exciting, whether that's in movies or acting or uh, theatre yeah. music I think there's a lot of people kind of you know who are Ireland like, is kind of growing yeah, in it now yeah yeah exactly there's a lot of people that kind of I know of from when I was in college and who are coming up now through like UCC and NTU and other colleges who are really doing great things and I think yeah, I think people will be writing about Cork now in a few years saying, oh, it's a real hub of real new creative interests. So you can make it look yeah, like America as well. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. So yeah, any tips anyone wants on DIY filmmaking and bringing things together and handling the stress. Or giving yeah. away props. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, please do hit me up. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll share about me or whatever. Of course, on yes. Of crack. course. Yes, um, so. so, in any case, yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank You've been you very too. good to us. Good, no Covered worries. all my questions. <laughs> For the first time of uh, hosting here, I think we did a pretty good job. Great. Uh, great and of course, you're always welcome to come back. So of course. And I definitely, I'd love to come back when I have the film finished and uh, to talk, edited. Yeah. And I can bring back some, some other people with me too. And, Woohoo! Uh, yeah, okay. We can have a real, a real day of it, you know. Oh, I'd um, be more yeah. than excited. <laughs> great. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much. That was Nicole uh, today here with us uh, with an extraordinary story of making one for Icon Movie. Um, But before we go, I'm just going to say goodbye to you all. Thank you for listening to this episode. Nicole might be back with us. I'll see you in a week time next Thursday, 10 a.m. And make sure to check out our Instagram as well um, before... um, next episode that's going to be airing in a week so just of course play a song before i leave because that is a necessity as working here on the radio this is sex on fire by kings of leon nicole thank you very much once again thank you too megan